0: Reading from Colossians 3, verses 1 to 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, giving thanks to God the father through him
1: yesterday i did my first ever park run now if you've never heard of a park run before let me explain it to you basically it's it's a a 5k run that volunteers organize that you can do just for fun and it it's a great some of you are laughing when i said just for fun people do run for fun though pip says You never see somebody smiling when they jog, but she's the exception. So I'm hoping one of these days to pass Pip and see someone smiling as they run. It's a great community event, a park run, actually. It happens every week and there's lots of them that happen all around the world um, every week. And as I was doing this park run, I was thinking that it has quite a few parallels to what we do here. Both events are around 200 people. Both events need a a bunch of volunteers who give up their time to make the event happen. Both events repeat every week. I was thinking they're probably a bit better than us at being there for the start time at the park run. But most of us get here with some time to spare and at both events there's a bit of chatting beforehand and a bit of chatting afterwards. And also at both events there's quite a bit of bearing with one another that needs to happen. Here you've got to watch out for kids and soccer balls and all that sort of thing. At the park run you've got to struggle to find a park beforehand, car park. You've got to bear with not being able to really hear the guy making the announcements before the run starts. You've got to bear with weaving through prams and dogs and people who missed the memo that it's a run. (laughs) And you've got to bear with the the overly competitive person who who chases you down at the end and beats you just as you're about to cross the finish line. I feel a little bit bad about doing that, actually. (laughs) But if you can bear with, with a couple of slightly irritating things like that, then it's a great event. It's a fantastic community event. But for all the little parallels between a park run and what we do on a Sunday the differences far, far outweigh the similarities because what we're doing isn't a community event where we can get together and and bear with each other for a bit and then just walk away. Now, we could approach what we're doing just like that, but that's not at all what God has in mind for us. Unlike a, a park run, this isn't simply a community event here because God has made us a family. And when I think of family, lots of things come to mind but right up there is bearing with one another. Today, as Brian said, we're continuing our series looking at one another statements in the Bible and in Colossians 3.13, as we've seen, followers of Jesus are commanded to bear with one another and in other places too, like Ephesians 4.2, bearing with one another. Now, we could think bearing with one another is easy But it's only easy if we're approaching our church family like a park run, or like a family that we keep at arm's length and just see occasionally. But the one thing all healthy families have in common is that they've learnt the art of bearing with each other well. Let me sort of give some examples. Before I was married, when I was, you know, just a bachelor, my usual practice was to wash up once a week. Washing up was a Saturday job that used to take a few hours. It was very hard work, especially when some of the pans had rusted through the week. Back then, for me, sometimes the meal was a packet of Tim Tams. Now, when I got married and a new family unit began, you can imagine that there was quite a lot of bearing with going on. I had to bear with Kathy wanting to wash up more than once a week. I had to bear with exchanging Tim Tams for actual food. And I suppose Kathy had to bear with some things as well. But all of that was really easy. Because once we had kids, that's when I really learned what it means to bear with one another. Now, I've got told that it gets gets easier as the kids get older, but I reckon it just gets different. And someone was telling me the other day that it's almost harder to be a parent of a 20-year-old than a 2-year-old. Isn't that a comforting thought for you? You young parents who got up at 4am this morning, I always try to be encouraging where I can be. So even with adult kids, there's still an awful lot of bearing with one another that has to happen in a healthy family. God has called us to be a family, his own family, a family even more important, even more permanent than our human families. And that means that bearing with one another is critical. critical. So let me ask you, where are you struggling to bear with people here right now? Just silently thinking about that, no need to call it out. But take a moment, just think about it. Maybe jot it down if, if you've got a pen. Take a moment, I'll give you a moment just to think about where are you actually struggling to bear with people here right now? Now, if you don't have a list of, of 10 things that pops into your mind pretty quickly, that could be that you're the kind of person that needs to reflect. It could be that you need a coffee at the, the cart after the service. It could be that you're an absolutely delightful, easygoing person who only sees the best in others. Or it could be that you're not engaged deeply enough with God's people that He's placed around you to actually have come up against the issues that we have with each other. Now, I know this is this family, this is a big family, and it's impossible for us all to know each other on a really deep level. That's why we really encourage people to invest in their community groups, in the people within their community groups, and to really invest in the people, in the teams where you serve. And if you're not in a community group, then it's even more important to really invest in a group of people. But the reality is, if we're not finding it hard to bear with one another at some points, then we're probably just kidding ourselves that we're being the kind of family that God wants us to be. The thing about a a park run is you can be there if you want, or not. You can interact with others there, or not. It's entirely optional. And if you find some of the irritations of people there unbearable, then you can just go jogging on your own... And it doesn't matter one tiny bit. But that's not the same for us. Followers of Jesus are commanded to bear with one another. And it's incredibly important that we do. So today, we're going to think about how we bear with each other in a way that honours Jesus. And we're going to do that by looking at the Colossians passage that Bethany read for us just earlier... Because it tells us not just how to bear with each other, but more importantly, why. This Colossians passage, it it actually contains pretty much all of the one another statements that we're going to be looking at. It has love one another in there. It has the idea of accepting one another. It has forgive one another. And if you look closely, it even has serve one another and, and spur one another. It has those ideas in there as well. And all of these things, they flow out from the idea that we are to live out who we are. This is our first point today. Be who you are. Normally when we hear this, what we hear is be true to yourself. Look within and you'll find your true self. Your calling, your purpose, your dreams, your sexual orientation, your gender... Your heart's desire, they all lie within you and they are your true identity. That's how we normally hear it. Now, from God's point of view, it's completely true that our identity is really important and we've got to be true to who we are. But our identity, from God's point of view, is not found from looking within. Our identity is found with reference to Him. This is true for all people. We're all made in the image of God but we've all rejected that identity. We've all broken that identity. We've all chosen a different identity. Now, the the traditional kind of places where we go to find our identity are in things like our career or our spouse, our family, children, money or possessions, our relationships, our friendships, our religion even, and more modern places where we find our identity are in things like our lifestyle, our personality, our sexuality. But these markers of identity, whether traditional or modern, the Bible judges them as inadequate foundations. Build your identity on them and they will fail you. They can't bear the weight that we try to put on them. Build our identity on them and we will find ourselves broken and vulnerable and more than that actually we'll do damage to others See, it's not fair to our spouse to to build our identity on them it's not fair to our kids to rest our identity on them if we build our identity on our career or lifestyle it can lead to all sorts of problems and and disappointments in life. The radical message of the Bible, and it is radical, the radical message of the Bible is that there is only one truly solid foundation for our our identity, and that is Jesus. Followers of Jesus are people whose identity is not found within, our identity is found in Christ. Look at Colossians 3, verse 1, where we start to see this idea. Paul writes in this letter to the Colossians, "...since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your mind, your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears..." then you also will appear with Him in glory. You see that? Followers of Christ are not just followers. We are in Christ, united to Christ. Our past is that we died and we were raised with Christ. Our present is that our life right now is hidden in Christ. And our future, it's so caught up with Christ that when Christ returns... We'll return with him. We'll be with him. So our past, our present, our future, it's in Christ. And our old, broken identity is gone. Our new identity is solid, unbreakable, and it's found in Christ. Now we see this also in verse 9, these kind of ideas. Paul writes, You have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. See that? We have a renewed identity, a renewed image. And in verse 11, here there is no Gentile or Jew. These aren't our identity. Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Now, this isn't some kind of impersonal unity where we lose our individual identity. That's not what's going on. That sort of thinking is a bit more like Buddhist thinking, where the great hope for Buddhists is enlightenment, enlightenment, where you become one with the universe and kind of lose all sense of self. That's not what this is talking about. That's not what we get in Christ. Our unity with Christ doesn't destroy our individuality, instead it perfects it. We are always conscious of the self but never in a selfish way. We are renewed in God's image. But in the present, right now, the reality is we are not always true to who we are, not perfectly anyway. Right now we can be we can be selfish right now. We live inconsistently with who we truly are in Christ. And that's why Paul writes, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. He's saying more than just follow Jesus' example. He's saying, be who you are. Live out your identity now. now this is this is powerful stuff, actually. Life-changing stuff. Because this is not just saying, act like a child of God and He might just let you be one. This is saying God has made you a child of God already, fully, permanently. And that's why you should live like a child of God. Look at verse 12. He writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. See that? Identity first. Now actions second. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience in, in Christ we've, we've taken off the old self and we've put on the new self maybe think about it this way if you've played a, a, a game of AFL for some reason on a 40 degree day and your shirt is seriously sweaty you know it's like sticking to your back and you're kind of covered in mud and if you can kind of humor me you've got a little bit of someone else's blood on you And then after the game, you take a shower. You don't put that old shirt back on, right? Now, even my unmarried self knew that. The idea of putting that shirt back on, that wet, sweaty, gross shirt, the idea of it sticking to you, clinging to you, it repulses us, or at least it should. Please tell me it does. When our identity is in Christ, when we set our our minds And our our hearts on Him. We just can't stand the idea of uh, embracing again who we used to be. Instead, we, we put on what belongs to our new self. But the sad reality is that right now, this is a struggle for us. We keep taking our minds off Christ. We keep taking our hearts off Christ. And in this life, they drift back to our old identity all the time. Now one day it's not going to be a struggle for us because we'll be literally face to face with Jesus and we can't take our hearts and minds off Him. But until then, in this life, our identity that we have right now means actively, sometimes painfully, putting off the old self and actively, deliberately clothing ourselves, putting on the new self. And this is where bearing with one another comes into play. You see, if we belong to Christ, we are all doing this. All the time. All followers of Jesus. We're imperfectly living out our identity in Christ. And none of us will ever arrive until Jesus arrives. And so this brings us to our second point. We are to be who we are even when others are not who they are. Be who you are even when others are not being who they are. Now, if we were all perfectly living out our identity, then there'd be no reason for Paul to write what he writes in verse 13. He wouldn't need to say, bear with each other and and forgive one another. In a few weeks, Dave Harrington's going to talk about forgiving one another. I think I've given him some material today for that sermon. But for the rest of today, so we're going to leave that, and for the rest of today, I'm going to talk about how we bear with one another as a a way of being who we are in Christ. And so first I'm going to talk about some general things that will help us bear with one another and then I'm going to talk about a couple of specific situations and and also dangers that we need to watch out for. The first general thing that's going to help us bear with one another here is kind of what we've already seen, but I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. It's to set our hearts and minds on Christ. And verse 16 really is fleshing out that idea. This is how we're to do this. Paul writes, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. How do we help each other bear with each other? We've got to be a people that Let's the message of Christ dwell among us, richly. It's the, the message of Christ that, that lifts our hearts and minds to Christ. It's the message of Christ that, that tells us our past, tells us our present and our future. It's the gospel message that Jesus dies, he died for sinful, broken people like us to give us a new identity as sons and daughters of the living God. It's this message that that not only starts us off as followers of Jesus, but it's this message that goes on shaping us and calling us to be who we now are in Christ. So does that happen here? Does the message of Christ dwell richly among us here? Don't you reckon that's a strange way of putting it? Are we rich or are we poor in the message of Christ? Is it dwelling here or somewhere else? Is our teaching saturated with the gospel and saturated with grace? Are our songs, songs from the Holy Spirit, are they full of what Jesus has done for us? And are our hearts in this? Or are we impoverished and dry Thirsty for the message of Christ. And notice there, it's not just my job. We teach and admonish one another. Our conversations are to be overflowing with the message of Christ. So are they? Because that's what will help us bear with each other. The next general thing that will help us bear with each other is having realistic expectations. We're all struggling to be who we are in Christ. And so, life together, it's not going to be a walk in the park. If we have idealistic kind of expectations of each other, then we're actually not bearing with each other. Listen to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote about this in Life Together. I think I've shared this quote a while ago. In his book, he says, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest and sacrificial. We can't love the idea of community, we actually have to love the real community we have around us. And Bonhoeffer, he goes on to say that the times when we fail each other And we realise that bearing with each other is actually hard. He goes on to say these times are actually good for us. Look at what he writes. Will not the very moment of great disillusionment with my brother or sister be incomparably wholesome for me? Because it so thoroughly teaches us that both of us can never live by our own words and deeds. But only by that one word and deed that really binds us together. The forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. The bright day of Christian community dawns when the early morning mists of dreamy visions are lifting. We need to be realistic about each other. At our belong nights where um, where people who are new kind of find out about this church, I usually try to make sure I say at one of those nights that we are not a perfect church. I usually say something like, if we haven't let you down yet, we will. Because we don't bear with each other because it's easy, we bear with each other because of Jesus. Now there's a whole heap of things listed in Colossians 3 that, that can really help us bear with each other. Things like getting rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, things like clothing ourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility and peace. And these things, they're not things that we should pull out just when we feel the need for them because we're struggling with someone, these are a way of living out who we really are. These are the things that we, we always should embrace. And practically speaking, how we do that, I, I think it means having times of, of self-reflection where we ask ourselves, where am I growing in compassion? Where am I growing in humility? Not, am I happy with my current level of compassion, happy with my current level of humility... But how am I actively clothing myself myself in these things? I want to finish by talking about a couple of ways that it's hard to bear with one another here, a couple of specific ways that it's hard to bear with each other here at Trinity Church, Modbury. And the reality is that I, I could list off all sorts of things... You know, we could hi- highlight all sorts of things. Some of them already already done, like you know, the kids kicking the soccer balls like crazy, or maybe the way they pile up their plates with dessert at the community lunch, and then sit down and take one bite and leave it all. We could talk about adults getting too frustrated and being too critical of other people's parenting styles. Older people seeming to have forgotten what it's like to have young children and seeming to act like they've done their times with kids, kind of like it's a prison sentence. (laughs) We could talk about the way that singles have to bear with it seeming like unless you've got a family of six in tow, then you're being overlooked. We could talk about people who treat gluten-free people like they're fussy and just going through a trendy fad instead of dealing with a disease. Now, I could list off so many ways that it's hard for us to bear with each other. I could do it so that it felt like I was having a big, long whinge, or I could do it so that it felt like I was doing stand-up comedy badly. (laughs) But the reality is, no matter how I do it, I just couldn't cover even a millionth of what we would need to cover. And also, I just couldn't go deep enough. Bearing with one another is subtle, and so I'm not even going to try. Instead, I want to cover a couple of things that might not naturally come to mind when we think about bearing with one another. So, first thing I'm going to talk about is that bearing with one another also involves carrying one another's burdens. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. And the reason that I bring up this example is because it's very easy to do this in a way that's not living out our identity in Christ, even though it really looks like it is. When we see someone who is burdened, we tend to react in in one of two ways. Some of us feel overwhelmed and helpless and we just don't do anything. But other people they throw themselves in there in amazing and sacrificial ways. But neither of these two reactions is necessarily done in a way that lives out our identity in Christ. Some of us have got a personality that that loves to feel needed, even needs to feel needed. Some of us can actually find our identity in being needed. This is very different to finding our identity in Christ. Because if our identity is in Christ and not in being needed, that could mean that sometimes we'll say no because it's what the other person needs. It means sometimes that we'll say things that the other person might not really want to hear. But people who find their identity in in being needed or liked, they often find it hard to say no and they find it hard to say the things that need to be said. But this is also really important for those of us who are more inclined to sit back overwhelmed and in the end do nothing. Why is it that we're sitting back and not helping? Sometimes it's because we suspect that no matter how much we help, we won't solve their problem or we won't even make that bigger difference for them. But so what? If we have our identity right, We can help carry burdens without feeling the burden to be the answer. We're not the answer. We'll never be the answer. Christ is the answer, but we can still help. You know, in that same book, Bonhoeffer says, self-centered love loves the other for the sake of itself. Spiritual love loves the other for the sake of Christ. We don't need to be people's messiahs but because of the messiah we want to be there because our identity is in christ we want to be there for them carrying each other's burdens by the way it is about those who are suffering or going through sadness or sickness or unemployment but it's more than that look at the verse before in galatians paul says brothers and sisters if someone is caught in a sin You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. The burdens that Paul has in mind include people being weighed down, being caught in a sin. They're not living out their identity in Christ. And do you see our job there? Our job is to help them bear their burden by gently restoring them while being extremely aware of our own weakness. Now, we'll never do this unless our hearts and minds are fixed on Christ and our identity is in Him. Because we'll either not be able to bear the person caught in a sin, instead we'll judge them and come down on them harshly, or very quickly we'll want to give up on them, or we'll not be able to bear the idea of doing something about it, so we'll do nothing, We, we won't want to be involved... We'll leave it between them and God. Like, if someone's having an affair and and treating their family badly, part of you wants to come down on them, them like a ton of bricks. Part of you wants to just give up on them and write them off as a lost cause. And part of you wants to just turn a blind eye altogether. But if we are being who we are in Christ, then we will carry each other's burdens. We will gently humbly, carefully restore other people to be who they are in Christ. We'll encourage them to let go of sin, put it to death, and to set their hearts and minds on Christ. See, we're not to be a family that does nothing about sin. And we're not to be a family that condemns people. We're to gently restore each other. When my sister was a teenager, she was taking drugs for a while there, for a few years. And one Christmas, family Christmas, she just didn't show up with no explanation, no message whatsoever. We didn't ignore it as a family. We confronted her. And I even went with her to Narcotics Anonymous one time. You know, years later, she confronted me, gently but honestly, and she said that she felt growing up that I was a self-righteous, proud person. And you know what? She was right. Which is more addictive and destructive? Well, both are in different ways, but one is more obvious, and it was good of her to point it out. My point is that healthy families help each other. We confront each other, and we gently restore each other. Are we a family that does that here? Do we bear with each other even to that degree? Do we care enough about each other? I want to finish... By talking about another way that we need to bear with each other, that could be easy to miss. Completely different, changing gear. As a church, we um, we face a fair bit of change. When this church was planted nine years ago, it was small, and you planted with James, and a whole th- heap of things have changed since then. James has gone. We planted our a ch- our, our, our church ourselves since then. We've grown heaps. We've changed our logos, we've changed our name. This afternoon there's going to be a seating trial where we're talking about changing our chairs around and I suspect there's still quite a bit of change ahead of us. We're regularly hitting 200 people here on a Sunday and that's nothing, of course. If if we're going to make an impact for Jesus in the north of Adelaide, then that is nothing. Under God, we've got heaps more work to do. But in a church over 200 people we can't operate like we're a church under 100 people. But I'm not sure that we're fully operating yet as a church of 200 people. And if we just operate the same, with a small church kind of mindset and approach, then we won't be bearing with new people. And actually, more than that, we won't be bearing with anyone particularly well. The wheels will start falling off. We still need to operate like a family here, but like a big extended family, made up of smaller units. We've got to keep thinking, not how do we keep church the same, but how do we keep honouring Jesus in this moment that He's given us, with where we're at. As a church, you might remember we're on about magnification, mission, membership, maturity and ministry, five things that God cares a lot about. And if change is going to help us do these five things better, then we should change. This year we've brought on Scott and Dave to to help us think about doing these five things better. Dave thinking about magnification. Scott thinking about mission and membership. And they're doing a great job at, at improving what we do in these areas. But if they're doing their jobs right, it will mean changes will happen. I mean how terrible would it be if we brought them on board and said okay fellas what we want you to do is keep everything exactly the same got it that'd be terrible i used to go to a church that used the 1662 book of common prayer in two of its three services now there's nothing wrong with that prayer book it's great in the 17th century but there is something wrong with using language that's inaccessible just because some people don't like change. Change is threatening. And part of bearing with each other is caring for each other through change. Not keeping everyone happy, that's never going to happen, it's not possible. But helping each other hold on to what's important and hold loosely on to what's not so important. Now, I'm not saying this, by the way, because I'm planning massive changes like next week you'll turn up and there'll be a smoke machine here and strobe lighting or something like that i'm saying it because even myself i'm feeling quite a few changes there's different signs there's different name different logo different chairs and with church planting on the horizon in 2020 there's a whole heap of change that's ahead of us and so if you're struggling with change don't keep it to yourself talk it out with someone in an open kind of, open-minded open kind of way, with Dave, with Scott, with the leadership team, with me, with your community group leader, with each other. This is part of bearing with one another. We're not a community event, like a park run. We're not a, a cold, dysfunctional family. We're called to be God's family. A big family, yes, but still a close family that bears with one another as we put off our old selves and as we clothe ourselves with what belongs to our new selves. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that we can call you that, our Father, that our identity is as your children, loved by you, chosen by you, wholly because of Jesus. Father, help us to lift our minds and our hearts to see just how special this is. That our identity is secure, not vulnerable within ourselves. Not going to fail us, break down, but rock solid because of Christ. We are your children. Lord, help us to so set our hearts and minds on Christ that we put off the old self. Turn away from it, seeing that it just can't compare to what we have in you. And Lord, help us to clothe ourselves with the new self, with compassion, humility, patience. Lord, with all the things that are going to help us bear with each other. Lord, help us to be patient with each other, realizing that we're all putting off the old self, all putting on the new self, all longing for that day when Christ, who is our life, appears and when we will appear with him in glory. Lord, we long for that day and we pray, send Jesus soon. We ask this in his name. Amen.